Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the I Have for Evolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? Hey, this is Coach Freddie, and I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm speaking with Trey Riddle. He's uh, the CEO and one of the founders here of Sunstrand. How you doing there, Trey? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Freddie? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Good to be here. Last time I was here was the ribbon ceremony here. A lot has happened since then. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your journey when you started the business. Sure. Yeah, great. Uh, I'm glad to have you out again, Freddie. Glad to have you take an interest in what we're doing. And it has been a, you know, a long road. Uh, we actually started in bamboo and developing technology extract fiber from the bamboo cane. Okay. That was back in like 2012, 2013. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've grown quite a bit since then and, and predominantly, uh, due to pull from all the excitement and in, in industry and consumers. I've uh, been pulled more into hemp and leveraged that technology to become, you know, a large producer of hemp fiber. Okay. And so what are the fibers? I know that they, you, you handle some jute. And what's the difference between jute and hemp? So we, um, we do work with a cousin of, of jute <clears throat> called Kanaf. Okay. Uh, when we work with jute, it's it's imported. The jute is grown in in Asia, places like Bangladesh and India. Okay. Uh, but a comparable fiber was kanaf, K E N A F. Okay. And um, generally, the way I talk about it is that um, if you take away, you know, the things that make hemp special, like the flour and the in the grain, and you talk about it as just uh, more of a fiber plant, the stalk of the plant, then kanaf or jute are almost identical to hemp in, in many ways. Okay. So they're bast, they're part of the bast family, so they have the same outer bast fiber and the same inner woody core or herd. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, there are some differences. Uh, and generally, I think of, you know, jute or kanaf, um, a little bit lower grade fiber, something more for, you know, truly industrial textiles and maybe capable of doing 80% of all the things that hemp is doing. So hemp can do all those industrial applications, but as a higher quality fiber, it can also do some of the more technical um, applications and into garments and things like that. Okay. You're processing the canaf also. And how much uh, hemp are you processing? You you processing very much? Yeah, hemp is definitely dominating You know what we do. We also process flax as well. Okay. Um, so uh, we have, you know, two facilities, one, well, we have three, but two, um, two decortication facilities. Okay. One is in Kentucky and one is Alberta, Canada. Um, and in Canada, we do flax and hemp. Uh, and in Kentucky, we do mostly hemp and a little bit of canaf. Okay. Uh, so the vast majority of what we're doing is hemp. I think we'll have over 3,000 acres under contract this year for hemp um, to service our Kentucky plant. And then we'll be accessing several more thousand in Canada from the grain operations to support uh, that facility. So about 80, 85% of our pipeline is hemp, uh, about 10 or 15% is, is flax, and then actually only a little bit of it is canaf. So we're only doing about 
55 or so acres of canaf this year compared to the thousands of hemp. Okay. And so now you're contracting with farmers and you supply them with, what do you supply them with? Yeah, so we contract uh, farmers by the acre. And of course, we pay by the delivered pound. And we supply them with the seeds, the genetics. Uh, we supply them with a, kind of an agronomy manual, a how-to, uh, one, two, three, four. We worked with the University of Kentucky and others for several years to develop the agronomy practices. And so okay. uh, we kind of give them the manual and we give them support, um, sometimes of equipment and sometimes just boots on the ground to help them assess uh, quality in particular because quality starts on the farm. I mean, our lines aren't magic. Garbage in is garbage out. So right. yeah. So we do have our own hemp genetics that we reproduce. So some of the acreage I mentioned is actually going to produce more seed okay. to grow for fiber next year. Okay. Well, that's awesome then. So would you say that uh, the majority is is for fiber or herd? What? Well, it's interesting. Uh, about a year and a half ago, you know, my concern was that we, you know, we would not be able to sell off the herd because you get about two and a half times more herd than fiber out of the plants after you process it. So, you know, for every pound of fiber you sell, you have to sell two and a half pounds of herd. And so we embarked on a pretty aggressive uh, campaign to find demand for the herd. And what, okay. has, what has happened now is it's, it's inverted. And now we have a dramatic demand for the herd and, and we have failed to keep up the, the fiber demand. And so, uh, but that's an easier problem to have because we produce less of the fiber. So, and it's more valuable as well. Is it for here in the United States, the herd? It is. That's okay. Right. And mainly for building hemp houses, uh, would you say? Yeah, we do have definitely a couple of really good relationships. Uh, Hempitecture is one, um, okay. and definitely doing some hempcrete houses. Uh, we also have a relationship with Just Biofiber up in Alberta. They make the hempcrete blocks. I don't know if you've seen yes, those. Yes, I, I have heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So um, but that's relatively small compared to the demand in animal bedding. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so we we're actually in uh, over seven, over half of all the WalMarts in uh, in North America, about uh, seventeen hundred of them, uh, with a small pet bedding like for bunnies and gerbils, and then we have big supply contracts for you know more farm and ranch equestrian type bedding as well. Oh, okay. Well, my understanding in Europe is that um, in the equestrian market, uh -huh. hemp has about thirty percent market share oh, okay. for bedding. So that's in the United States. Um, the equestrian bedding market is, I, I believe, about $9 billion. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So um, so are you planning on opening up any other uh, facilities? I know that you're aggressively doing all kind of stuff. Yeah, we, we definitely want to. Um, okay. You know, we have, uh, we've just uh, we've just started this line um, outside of uh, Carrollton, Kentucky, which is a two-ton-an-hour line. Um, we have the, the sister of that line, another two-ton-an-hour line that we're looking forward to using in Canada to increase our capacity up there. Okay. Um, and then we have a whole another five-ton-an-hour line um, that we'd like, that we have just in storage that we'd like to uh, to set up as well. Uh, in the next, you know, 18 months or so. So not sure exactly where that would go. Um, we've done the most amount of work in the Carolinas, yeah. uh, right on the border of North and South Carolina. Okay. Well, one of the unique things about that region for us is um, it's the only place in kind of the southern or even, you know, Midwestern United States where you can grow flax. So we actually grow flax as a winter crop right okay. there. 
And that's a pretty unique proposition for the farmers where they can do a winter crop and a summer crop with us. And we also have that diversification in our supply chain because we do have customers wanting flax as well. So it's a okay. good location for us. That's going to be probably sooner than I expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. Um, hope, like I said, hopefully about 18 months. Okay, awesome. And so now, uh, you, you, are you constantly looking for farmers now to grow, um, you know, or, or do you have enough to supply your, your uh, facilities here? Um, you know, every year we're, we're looking for, you know, more farmers. Um, this year, uh, obviously, we, we pretty much, you know, are, are done or in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, this year, our problem really wasn't finding more farmers. Our problem has been the rain. And so we've had a lot of trouble getting our crops in the ground this year. Yeah. And so we're going to see reduced yields because of late plantings. Okay. Um, so we're trying to get more acreage, you know, to compensate for the reduced yields. Uh, but obviously, reduced yields means reduced revenue at the farm level too. So exactly. Um, so there's a you know a duality there. But they're but they're having the same problem with everything, be it corn or or beans or right. everything's late. And that's mainly here in Kentucky and Tennessee and in Indiana. In Indiana. Yeah, and I think all the way over into Illinois. Okay. Um, you know, and, and starting into the Midwest there. Yeah, it has been raining quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the fiber board that the, some of your uh, clients are making. I don't know too much about it, but I know that I'm going to get pretty heavily involved if we start making these tiny hemp houses. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the, the fiber board that they're making. Sure. Yeah, so technically what we're making would be considered a, um, a particle board. Okay. Uh, so it's typically used more as a substrate, and it's not... Um, it's not uh, engineered or um, has been qualified as a sheathing product. Okay. So, like, you wouldn't be able to use it like you use OSB on the outside of your house. Okay. You, you could use it as decorative, like on the inside, like, a, you know, where you would have drywall mm-hmm. um, if you wanted to see it. Uh, but it's not considered a structural sheathing product like an OSB. Okay. Um, and we have done, we've made that board ourselves, and then we have uh, another major particle board manufacturer that has trialed with, with hemp and has been very successful. The challenge there is the, the price point um, compared to wood is, is very difficult. And so now, what about the blocks now? How, how use the blocks just like bricks or something like that to build a house? More like cinder blocks, you okay. know, rather than bricks. Okay, um, yeah. So it's a it's a structural component, not a veneer. Um, so those blocks that just biofiber is making, um, you know, they stack up and they they are the wall system, um, they are the insulation, and um, they are the structural elements. And um, then I think that they, I believe that they, similar to hempcrete, just, you know, stucco the inside and outside for the finish. Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty neat. Um, it, it does require the builders to do things a little bit differently in planning on how they're doing, like, conduit and how right. they attach the roof joists and things like that. But yeah. it seems to be a, a pretty good product. And I, I personally think it's probably going to be a easier to adopt in a large, meaningful way than the traditional hempcrete, which is very labor-intensive and, and expensive. So that's, this company is here in the United States to build the blocks, or is it in Canada? They're in, they're in Canada. Oh, all they, Canada. They are, I believe they are looking for like licensees and things like that in the United States. To, okay. You know. All right. So, so what else can you tell us about the building um, as far as uh, some of the materials used from hemp? 
Um, well, you know, we also have a natural fiber insulation product, a hemp fiber insulation product okay. uh, that is a direct replace, replacement for fiberglass. Um, it's actually right in front of you here. Yeah. Um, and so that has the same thermal properties in a, as a fiberglass a R13 bat for a three and a half inch wall. And it gets installed just like fiberglass gets installed. Okay. Um, and it's about 80%, uh, 80, 85% hemp fiber, and then about uh, 15 to 20% of a polymer fiber to kind of hold it together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a drop in, you know, to construction. No, no different. The contractors do everything the same that they normally okay. would. Yeah. Uh, I know there's another company down in um, Western Kentucky that has developed a, um, a floorboard, you know, kind of like an oak plank, but it's made out of hemp. I believe they call it hemp wood. Okay. Uh, so now we're seeing opportunities, you know, to do decorative flooring as well as insulation. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we've done some work in, in countertops as well. Um, solid, what's called a solid surface or brand name will be Corian. Uh, we've, we've had people make that with hemp as well. Um, and so I think you're starting to see a lot more opportunities, you know, uh, we've had decorative lighting things made, um, just pulled out in front of you a shroud that would be used in a, oh, a, yeah. a hanging light. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a polymer, uh, you know, hemp fiber polymer composite, uh, that you would use kind of as the, the shade for a hanging light. And I know that uh, you're supplying uh, some people with the 3D printing. 3D printing, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So on the market right now is a is a hemp um, filled filament. Okay. So what you load into the 3D printing machine and it prints uh, with hemp. So yeah, you can buy that on the internet right now, and that's that's all uh, Kentucky hemp. Matter of fact, I think we just sent, sent them a shipment of hemp uh, just in the last couple of days. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because I have some pens that are made from mm-hmm. through that process well in green springs technologies yep that's um, his pen yeah yep. so they make a pen that also that is injection molded as opposed to 3d printed okay and it's the yeah. same basic uh, hemp polymer composite but just how you manufacture is different. okay so you're going to be up and running in this plant here pretty soon in a week or so you think yeah we're running material through it right now so we're in what would be considered like the startup break-in optimization stage okay um, so we're hoping we'll be at uh, we should be at about 50 percent capacity there um, you know by in the next week or two okay. so we've you know we've it's making good product it's now just tweaking for you know optimization how, how much bigger than the plant right here well, the plant we're in is 25,000 square feet, and the original pilot um, decortication line that was in here would do a few hundred pounds an hour. Uh, the new plant is 120,000 square feet, and that line will do almost two tons an hour. <laughs> yeah, so almost 4,000 pounds an hour. Yeah. Okay. So you decorticate it, you come out with the, the herd and the, and the fiber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean, we have packaging you know, technology there to that we can package in either the small format, which goes to the Walmarts uh, for our customer there, or the larger format, which goes to the bigger distributors. So now you'd be able to supply people with herd if they're, like, for example, myself, if I wanted to build a hemp, mm-hmm. tiny hemp house. Yeah, we've been we've been pretty, um, you know, uh, 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 at capacity, you know, and we haven't been able to take on new customers. We've only, you know, we've only been able to maintain kind of our current few customers right, uh, because right. you know we're in kind of long-term supply you know like hempitecture and the, the walmart account one of our distributors those are long-term contracts exactly and so, you know we've we've really don't have the capacity to support them um so yes uh with this line coming up uh we'll be able to take on more customers now okay 
Great. Talk about me looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I look forward to helping you with it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, any last things that you would like to to convey to our audience? Well, I think it's a it's a really exciting time, you know, for hemp. And we hear, like you and I talked before we started, we hear a lot about CBD, and uh, that's been really great for the industry to get a lot of awareness and, and a lot of capital. But I think some of the other industries have had a tougher go at it, like the food and and the fiber. But I think that's really coming on now, and I'm excited about the I'm excited about the future, um, and um, you know, excited to make this into a, you know a big industry that we we know it can be. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Well, Trey, I want to thank you for being a guest on the IHAMP Revolution podcast and also a a supporter of the IHAMP Revolution Roadshow that I'm on. Well, thank you for coming. We appreciate it. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. And make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution. Like us and then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.